This episode of The Latest is brought to you by The Latest. Feel free to leave the program a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or send us any other kind of feedback. Here's a recent message from Yvonne. Today is the last day to upgrade or delete some of your content and get back under your plan's limits before episodes of your show get automatically deleted. Thanks for listening, Yvonne. Enjoy the show. It's Thursday, February 25. I'm Greg Ott. This is the latest. The debate over increasing the minimum wage is gaining a lot of steam. The Senate parliamentarian has denied Senate Democrats' attempt to include a $15 an hour minimum wage in the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. The question had been, would it be proper and appropriate? In fact, would it be sort of within the rules to Those voices are discussing the minimum the wage, the smallest amount of money you're legally allowed to pay another person to safely microwave the breast of a dead chicken that you'll be putting inside of your body. As legislators battle over the inclusion of a federal $15 minimum hourly wage increase as part of a COVID-19 economic relief package, many across the country are asking themselves the same question. Will this help my sandwich artist get their own exhibition? Since 2012, activists have been engaged in an ongoing movement known as the Fight for 15, a slightly more populist call to action than the campaign of the same name pursued by R. Kelly. Unchanged since 2009, laborers at companies like McDonald's Restaurant currently earn $7.25 an hour, which is enough to comfortably purchase a medium double quarter pounder with cheese meal with nine cents to spare. And that's before you factor in the generous 30% employee discount that encourages the obvious splurge on the luxurious apple pie in the spacious cardboard box. While many cities and states have set their own minimum wage laws, like the $15 an hour rate in New York City that covers one cool 200th of the average monthly rent, the federal minimum wage has remained the same for over a decade. A stagnancy only eclipsed by that of your screenplay. Back in the late 1800s, as we all remember, labor leaders in the U.S. pushed for the first minimum wage as a means of providing workers with enough money to live off of. They needed to be able to afford everyday necessities, like chloroform-laced toothpaste, heroin-laced cough medicine, and cocaine-laced cigarettes to treat their asthma. But ever since the federal minimum wage was established in 1938, it's never been automatically tied to rising living costs and always requires a manual adjustment, like your board shorts after getting out of the ocean. In the years since, it's been raised a total of 22 separate times and hasn't changed since 2009, remaining stuck in the same sad time capsule as John Goslin, broke, unsightly, and largely irrelevant after the passage of more than a dozen years. But in spite of the need to raise the cost of living, many business owners and government officials are putting in overtime hours to prevent average workers from capitalizing on their own. To combat the fight for 15, one new Vice report finds that McDonald's has been spying on laborers and organizers through its own Strategic Intelligence Unit, a department that must not have been assembled before they snuffed out the all-day breakfast. And some politicians, such as 60-year-old Republican Senator John Thune, believe that there's no need for a wage hike because he, anecdotally, only made $6 an hour when he worked in a restaurant as an adolescent. A rate, when 
adjusted for inflation, that's equal to $23 an hour. With cash like that, he wouldn't even need to worry about the line cooks that are definitely spitting in his food, because they'd be able to afford the high-end mouthwash. As of press time, the proposed inclusion of a minimum wage increase in the American Rescue Plan remains in limbo, thanks to the Senate parliamentarian, the so-called Senate referee who knows all the rules to passing bills, who hoists up a yellow card in the chambers of the world's greatest deliberative body in case its members get too close to enacting a law that can improve the life of the citizens they represent. That's not to say efforts to raise living standards have completely stalled out. Josh Hawley, the senator hailing from Insurrection, Missouri, has put forward an alternative proposal to provide occasional tax credits to workers making less than $16.50 an hour through what he's dubbed the blue-collar bonus, just as long as that blue collar isn't affixed to the uniform of a police officer being bludgeoned to death by a fire extinguisher carried out by a member of a mob that he encouraged. And in spite of a federal raise, many large companies have already committed to providing a $15 minimum, such as Amazon, Target, and Best Buy. And Costco announced plans this week to boost theirs to 16, allowing Kirkland to dethrone Portland as one of the most progressive places in the country. To me, raising the minimum wage isn't just essential because it's the right thing to do. It's because living standards shouldn't depend on the royal generosity of the Burger King. Back when everybody pretended that the virus meant we needed to be nice to each other, workers at places like grocery stores were offered additional hero pay, awarding an extra four or five bucks an hour to those who risk their personal health and safety in order to assure panicked suburbanites that paper towel can serve as a toilet paper substitute as long as they don't mind destroying their pipes like a Texas snowstorm. But in the months since, not only have many stores decided that these essential workers are no longer the types of heroes you applaud on an airplane and rescinded their bonus pay, chains like Kroger, who reported nearly $800 million in profit last quarter, have decided to close down stores entirely, rather than cough up half the value of a checkout chicken. Many businesses pretend that raising the minimum wage will destroy their bottom line and force them to lay off employees or raise prices, transforming those pocket-lining $11 deep-fried gorgonzola-stuffed olive bites into $12 margin-shattering mass layoffs. And while I'm somewhat sympathetic to those who may have to rearrange the manner in which they conduct their business, it's hard to get worked up over concerns that companies might have to start shelling out enough cash to help an employee cover their share of the rent when it's literally the least they can do. And now it's time for the O.J. Simpson Twitter update. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. This is me, yours truly. Yours truly. My guest today is Susie Penn, who just received her second dose of the COVID-19 vaccination. Susie, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. On Thursday, OJ shared his experience in finishing his final round of vaccinations. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Actually, I'm here about to get my second COVID shot, my vaccination. I couldn't help but be excited about this. Now, I'm getting the Moderna. No, I'm getting the Pfizer. And it's my second one. And uh, I'm a little worried, a little worried, because a number of people told me they felt a little sick after the second shot. Actually, while I was waiting in line to get this particular shot, a couple of uh, medical people came in to take selfies with me, and they both said that they were pretty sick after the second shot. So, uh, fortunately, I have nothing to do the rest of the day or tomorrow. 
Take care. Stay safe. Get your shot. Susie, what do you think about what OJ had to say? Well, I, I have friends that have said the same thing that OJ said about as far as feeling sick. But my only reaction to the second Moderna shot was um, a sore arm for a couple of days. And I was very fatigued for about a day and a half. But after that, I was back to normal. And I, I really hope they open it up to where everybody can get the vaccine soon to where we can totally open our society back up. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about OJ? He's a murderer. That's this week's OJ Simpson Twitter update. Susie, thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot, Greg. And that's the latest written, recorded, produced by Greg Ott. OJ Simpson Twitter update produced by Christy Forsh. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Add a little comment. Tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, any of those weird apps. Check us out at latestpod.com, the website for latestpod.com. <laughs> I'm at underscore Greg Ott on Twitter. I'm Greg Ott on Clubhouse. Wow. <laughs> see you soon. And by see you soon, I mean hear you soon. And by hear you soon, I mean you'll be hearing me soon. And by hearing me soon, I mean you'll soon be hearing me do another episode of this podcast. Good night. <laughs>